Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. So I have a word that I feel like the Lord's really just been stirring in my heart um, over the last couple of months that I wanted to share with you all this morning. And um, for those of you title lovers, this is going to be uh, entitled, Our Story Becomes His Song. And um, so I guess a lot of you are probably going to roll your eyes and be like, okay, she's talking about music, of course, but I am. And it's exciting. And I'm really excited about what the Lord wants to share tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 43. Yes, opening our Bibles on Wednesday night. It's a great thing. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21. Are you there? Brandon's there. Anybody else? Isaiah 43, 21. says, This people I have formed for myself, and they shall declare my praise. One of the things that the Lord's teaching me right now is that my story, the things that I've seen in my life, are things that he wants me to declare out in praise so that they become his song. And uh, we're going to turn, um, while I'm talking, to John chapter 4, so you guys can go from Isaiah to John chapter 4. But the things that are in my life, the things that are in your life, they create a story. How many of you guys have a story of where you've been, life you've lived, things you've gone through? I'm the only one, Sue, has a story. Anybody else? Okay, good. We all have this story. And we can choose to let that story either be a song of praise or it can be a song of defeat. And um, I believe that God wants us to use them as a song of praise. Amen? So in John chapter 4, I'm just going to kind of skim through the story a little bit till we get to the part that I want. And a lot of you guys know the story. It's about um, Jesus feeling the need to go to the woman in Samaria. And so he goes. The Bible says that he needed to go. In other words, the Holy Spirit instructed him. And so he decided to be obedient and he moved to go do what the Lord instructed, what the Holy Spirit instructed him to do. And there was the woman at the well and he was talking to her and he asked her for a drink and, and she, said, she said, why are you asking me for a drink? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, and, and those people don't communicate to one another. And, and they continue on, and Jesus said to her, give, um, in verse 10, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And one of the things that the Lord has shown me over the last, um, actually he showed me this last, um, last year as I was studying this passage and talking about how the woman's not talking about just the well that they were drawing water from. She was talking about herself. This well, it's deep. There's a lot of junk and it goes down far. She's had five husbands and she's living with someone that, that isn't her husband and there's a lot of junk in her life. And so because of that, her well runs deep. And so she's saying to Jesus, this well runs deep. So what do you have that could possibly fill up this well? And Jesus has the answer for that, which is the living water. And so they continue to talk and she begins to get this revelation that Jesus not only is the Messiah, this man that she's talking to, but he can also fill up this well with living water, which is the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but she gets this revelation that everything that she ever was, everything that she ever did, he already knew and he still said, I have something that I want to give you. And so my question, one of the questions I have for you tonight is what's your deep well? 
What is it that you say, this is, this is so deep. I don't know if Jesus' love can reach down and grab this. And my second question is, have you allowed him to fill that well with his living water? Because he has something that, that he wants to give you, and he says, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've been, where you've been, but I can fill that up with what I have. And I want to take that story, and I want to turn it into my song of praise. She had a revelation of who Jesus was and what he had for her, and she made a choice in that moment to let her life become a song of victory. It goes on to say, after he talks about that this is a place that we're going to come together and worship, not just Jews, but everybody coming together and worshiping in spirit and in truth. It goes on in verse in verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all of these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Verse 28, the woman left her water pot, the whole reason that she came. She left it, went on her way to the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they came and went out of the city and came to him. And I think what the Lord is saying in this passage is that in this moment, she had this revelation that not only did Jesus see everything that she was, he said, I've got something for you. And she had this revelation that he wanted to provide to her a, a thing of victory, a song of victory. And she grabbed a hold of that and she ran and she began to tell everyone and to declare the praises of who Jesus was and what he saw in her. When I come to the Lord in worship and focus on who he is, the things in my life begin to form a song of praise. I can look at my situation and see who he is. I can choose to praise and worship through the process because we're all in a process, amen? Every single one of us are in a place we're not there yet and we're not gonna get there until we see Jesus face to face. But while we're in that process, he's with us in that season of waiting. He's with us in that season of, of figuring out how deep our well is. He's with us in that season of, of recognizing who he is. And he wants to, to give us a story of, of his song of glory, of redemption, of deliverance, and of hope. I can look at my situation and you can look at your situation and we can see who he is. We can choose to praise him through that process and bring a sacrifice of praise to him because he is in the process. We, I'm, I don't know if you guys know the story of Paul and Silas. They were disciples after Jesus had, had been ascended back to heaven and they got arrested and they were in prison. And while they were in prison, they began... In, in this moment, they didn't know what their future held. They didn't know if they were going to die. They didn't know if they were going to be released. And in that season, in that process, they began to praise. In that process, they said, I'm going to choose to let this story become a song of victory and to become a song of praise before the Lord. And they began to praise and worship the Lord. And as they did that, the Bible says that the chains just broke off. They fell off of them. And they were able to just walk right out of the prison. And again, to be able to declare the praises of God to everyone that they came in contact with. That's what God wants our story to be is his song of praise. In Psalms 34, verse 1, it says that his praise shall continually be on my lips. And I looked up that, that word praise in the Hebrew. It's talking about spontaneous praise. And I think that that's so awesome because I think a lot of times we wait for moments when we're in church to praise the Lord. But God says, I want that song of continuous, spontaneous praise of God, you are good. You are faithful. And we thank you that you are who you say you are. Even though my situation and my circumstance might not look good, you're still good. 
Even though I might have this deep well, you can fill it with your living water and you can make me who you've created me to be because I'm gonna choose to praise you instead of look at my situation. And there's three things that we can learn from praise being continuously on our lips. The first thing is that when we praise, it prompts others to do the same. When you begin to praise God, it doesn't matter who's around you, the situation begins to change. The environment changes and it causes other people to begin to lift up praises to the Lord. The second thing that it does is that it removes fear and brings boldness. The third thing that it does is that it exercises faith and it invokes deliverance. When we praise God, it speaks out faith that we didn't know that we possessed. And it begins to build up this faith and then we begin to see deliverance take place all around us. It's like that promise that Pastor Alex says all the time, if you do this, then I'll do this. And that's what we do. When we begin to praise God, he begins to change the way that we see things. Even if in the natural, our circumstance doesn't change, Something in our spirit changes, and we begin to see God for who he is, and we can begin to declare those praises. But one of the things that I've learned is that when I come to these moments where I need to be able to praise God and and let those spontaneous praises be on my lips, if I don't know who God is, if I haven't been spending time in his presence and allowing myself to become more like him, then I don't have anything to praise him for because I don't know who he is. So you have to spend time in his word so that you can know that he is faithful, so that you can know that he is good, so that you can know that he's the father to the fatherless, so that you can know that even when things look like death, that he can still breathe life, that when those dry bones are all over the place, he can breathe life into the dry bones and and make them live again. But you only know that when you spend time in the word. When I begin to put praise on my lips, even if the circumstance doesn't change in the natural, it does in the spiritual. When I proclaim that he is faithful, that he is good, that his love for me is unending, these are the songs that we sing of who he is. And our story then can become his songs of praise. In Revelation, it tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We share our story of what he's done. And Stephen, a couple of weeks ago, had a word from the Lord that that I thought was so powerful that every single one of us have the same testimony. And that testimony is, is that Jesus came and he died and he rose again so that we could overcome. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter what our before that moment was. When Jesus when we come to this in this relationship with Christ, we have that moment of understanding all of our testimonies get to declare the goodness and the glory of God because Jesus died for me and he rose again for me and so it's already been defeated. Anything that we've done and all these things that, we've, that we see in our deep wells is, is we can take it before the Lord and we can say, God, you've already overcome this. So I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in defeat. That I can be brave and I can be a child of God because of what Jesus did already for me on the cross. But I also think that there's something very powerful in speaking out specifically the things that the Lord has done. I've been able to have the opportunity to share little bits of my story with different people. And and even if their situation doesn't change, they can still hear my testimony and it become a word of prophecy for them. And it can be something that they grab hold of and say, I can have hope that God can do that because I've seen him do it in your life. 
And so we have to, I, I think that it's so important that God wants us to begin to share our stories so that his songs of praise can be declared over other people. And I think it's such a powerful thing. But so many times we look at our stories and we, we are filled with so much shame and guilt of, I don't want to share this story because it's so dirty. I don't want to share this story because it's so deep of, of what people might think of me. And, and instead, we need to declare it out so that, one, we can speak out who God is and what he's done in our lives. And so that somebody else might be able to say, you know what, I'm in that same place and I need freedom here too. And so I think that, um, that that's one of the things that I feel like the Lord is saying tonight, that he wants us to begin to speak out our stories to people so that they can grab a hold of it and say, that's my word of prophecy. Or that is my hope because God did that in her. He can do that in me because she wasn't able to have kids and now she has two that she wasn't supposed to have. God can do that for me. And I think that um, oftentimes um, we let fear take place or shame take place that we don't want people to know where we were. We don't want people to know the sin that we were in, especially if it's happened since we've been in the church. But God said, I want to I bring light to that so that somebody else can, can grab a hold of that and have an anchor of hope and to say, God can come through for you too. My testimony sings of my story, and it declares the glory of God. It's no longer about who I was, what I did, where I was, but about who he is, what he did, and where he is. And I'm going to ask Tabitha to come up here. I asked her to share her testimony tonight. Tabitha is one of our young adults, and she plays the violin so beautifully for us. And um, we get the honor of hearing her. And she's been here for just about a year, just about a year now. And I've had the privilege of getting to walk with her through a journey and, and hear what the Lord's been doing in her life. And um, when I started to prepare this, I really felt like the Lord said she needs to declare her testimony Because there's still breakthrough that he's doing in her life. And if she begins to speak these things out to you, freedom's going to take place, not just for her, but for somebody else here. And I'm not asking her to share this because I want to show her off and say, look at what a good job I did with her. But I want you to see what the Lord's done in her life because I couldn't do this and she couldn't do this, but by the grace of God. And, um, and so she's going to declare out her testimony and share things. And she's never shared this before. Um, publicly, and um, and what she, what I, f I feel like the Lord is is wanting to do is not just take her from a place of of fear to faith, but also um, show us what it is, how powerful it is to speak out our testimony, so that it can declare the praises of God. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. All right. I didn't do too well in public speaking in college, so please bear with. Um, for the first 10 years of my life, I was raised a Jehovah Witness. My parents got divorced when I was about 10. I was sent to live with my dad. The house quickly became a drug trafficking house. Um, I spent a lot of time hiding there, but that was, the f that was where I was first called to God. Um, I had never genuinely known God. I didn't know that there was such thing as a relationship with him. But in that house when I was hiding, I remember feeling like I really missed being close with something much greater than myself and just feeling enveloped by God and his love and being comforted. Um, I was there about two years, and then the house was busted. My dad ended up fleeing the state for seven years or so. Um, 
for the next 10 years until up to when I was 20. I had moved about 25 times between family members, friends, just a lot of moving, um, a lot of instability. So by the time I was 20, I found myself homeless with nowhere to go in a very rough situation. So I turned to prostitution. And um, that lasted for a little while. And then I found a way out of prostitution, but it took me to an even deeper place of hell. I felt like I had sold my soul to the devil. He had taken my voice, he had taken my body, my mind, he had taken everything and just replaced it with tons of fear and anxiety. I became a heroin addict. And so this went on for a good eight months or so. Um, I found a way out because I, it had gotten so bad that I just did not want to be conscious anymore. I didn't want to be dead, but I did not want to be conscious. And so I almost accidentally committed suicide. And so as I was losing blood, um, I remember I was running in the sun and it was just so bright. And I was running because I needed to get to a phone because I didn't have a phone. I needed to call somebody for help. And God picked up, and it just so happened that my aunt came home for lunch that day, and she never came home. But she happened to come home that day, and she found me. And um, so I'm alive. <laughs> I believe that was the day that Jesus bought my soul back. So, I hadn't realized it yet, but for the next two or three years, I threw myself towards the violin. I put in six, seven hour practice days. It got to the point where I was in excruciating pain. It, I could barely hold my arm out straight. Um, then I finished college and um, I was borrowing a violin and I had to give the violin back. So I was out of a violin. And at that point, I had nothing because the violin was my God at that point. So I was really at a point where I was out of options. So I remember praying to God, and I felt so silly because I was like, God, I never asked you for anything, but if you give me this one thing. And I just knew that he wants, a full re he wants to take care of every need. He wants a whole relationship with us. And he answered that prayer exceedingly abundantly, what we can never expect, three times over what I thought I needed in a violin. He gave three times over. Um, and then soon after that, I found Eastside, and my life was drastically, wildly changed a year ago. Um, but it's not like I had some great happy ending. Life is ten times, I mean way better than it ever was before. Um, but every day I have to choose between being my old self and between being the child of God that I am.
and she is officially one year heroin free. Thank you, Jesus. The well was deep. It was so deep, but his love reaches deeper. And his heart for each and every single one of us is to take our story and to make it his song of praise and his song of glory so that he can be glorified. But God, Tabitha is still alive. But God, Tabitha is free and no longer a slave to fear. But God, Tabitha is brave and can stand up here and share her story with boldness. To be able to say, that's not who I am. I don't have to take anxiety pills. I don't have to fill myself with all of these other things because I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the living water. And she doesn't have all of the answers, but she gets in the word and she speaks scripture over herself every single morning. I don't think she'll mind me sharing this, but she has a, a, a... thing of cards of scripture and every single morning before she gets out of bed she grabs those scriptures and she reads them and she speaks them out she declares the praises of God and she speaks the truth even if she doesn't feel it even if she feels like I'm defeated I feel anxious I feel like the enemy is coming to attack me she still speaks the the praises of God and says I'm not getting out of this bed unless you go before me God and she declares the praises of God over her situation every single day That's what we're called to. That's what he created us for. To take our story and to say, God, how can we sing out your praises through what you've done in my life? Whether it be a miracle of health, whether it be a miracle of life, it's his. It's all done for his glory. And so I want to challenge you tonight, whatever your story is, whether you feel like it's insignificant or not. I remember as a teenager, we had this, um, this group of, uh, this music, I don't know, group, boys group, I don't know, Christian, whatever it's called, I don't know what they're called, boys band, is that what it's called? Um, this Christian boy band came to our church, and the guys were sharing their testimony about like how they you know, had been sleeping around, or they did drugs, and all these different things, and talking about how God wanted to use it, and I'm sitting there going like, I didn't do any of that stuff. I don't feel the need to do any of that stuff. I love the Lord. You know, I I understood at an early age the love of Christ and thankfully was able to grow in that. There wasn't really a season in my life where I had this rebellious stage that a lot of teenagers seem to go through. And, And then this one guy got up and he said, my testimony is that I've loved the Lord my whole life and that I've been able to commit to serving him every single day. And I'd never had to taste these other things to see that he is good. And I was like, hey, that's me. And so maybe that's your testimony. Maybe your testimony is, is that you tasted and seed that the Lord is good and you didn't have to experience all of this hell to know who the goodness of God is. Or maybe your story is that you weren't supposed to be able to have babies and now you can. Or maybe your story is, I almost died, but God brought me back and now I can declare the goodness of who he is. And maybe your situation might not, you might still be in process. You might know, not know what your story is yet. 
But God's in the story. He's in the process. He's in that waiting period. And he said, even in this season of of process, I have a song that I want you to sing out. I want you to declare victory over your life. And as we begin to speak out those songs of victory, we begin to see it take place, not only in our lives, but in the lives of the people around us. Because if we don't share what the Lord is doing in our lives, who's going to know? All they're going to hear is the stories of what the world has to offer. And all they're going to hear is, is how, how good these things seem instead of knowing and tasting and seeing that the Lord is really good and letting those spontaneous praises be continuously on our lips to where in those moments we can just begin to declare, God, I exalt thee. You are faithful and you are good. And we sing praises into your name. God, I offer up this sacrifice of praise in the midst of all of this situation. And I bring it before you and I say, God, only you deserve the glory. Only you are worthy of all of it that I have to give. It's in those moments that we can begin to speak out his song that he put through our story. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, I don't know where different people are, but I pray that wherever they are, that they allow their story to become your song of praise to be able to declare the goodness of who you are and to sing the faithfulness of, your, of, of you. God, even if they, they feel like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego still in the fiery furnace, even if our God doesn't, he is still good. Or Father, maybe they're on the other end of the fire and they saw that you came and you rescued them. Father, I thank you that wherever we are, whatever season that we're in, whatever process we're in, you're there. And so we cling to that promise. We cling to the hope of who you are. We thank you, God, that you are in this process and you are in the waiting. You are in the the other side of this season. Father, we thank you that whatever story we're in, God, no matter how deep our well is, that we can declare the goodness of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.